2: welcome to the Motormouth podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We've partnered with the Brain Tumour Charity, a cause that means a great deal to me personally and thanks to our partnership, we've been able to create a short series of special podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who've been affected by these devastating diagnoses. You can hear my story as well as the Williams Formula One team's planning director, Rich Richard Jones now with more to come. Also, if you feel like getting involved further, the Brain Tumor Charity is running the Conquer the Challenge through till May, a virtual fundraiser for those fitness inclined. And there's a leaderboard. So if you're competitive, this is for you. All the details are at brain Together, we can help every single person affected by a brain tumor. Now, as you know, without you and our sponsors, we wouldn't be able to carry on doing what we do, which is bring you the biggest names in most, motorsport and delving into their lives and opinions this season we couldn't be happier to be teaming up with f1 experiences the official experience hospitality and travel program of formula one f1 experiences is the closest you can get to the pinnacle of motorsport and let's face it any chance to get close to formula one this year we're all over it with f1 experiences official ticket packages coming direct from formula one you can get unique access that simply isn't available anywhere else. For more information on how you can book your F1 experience, visit F1Experiences.com where you can also save 5% on your very own F1 Experiences package by using the code MOTORMOUTH when checking out online. Good things come to those who listen to the MOTORMOUTH podcast. Don't say we don't treat you well. So what are you waiting for? The 2021 F1 season is set to be one of the closest in years. So get booking your F1 experience today with F1 Experience
3: Hello and welcome to the show. My name's Tim Sylvie. Now, this week we're joined by a trailblazer from Saudi Arabia. But before we introduce her, did you know, Harry Benjamin, that Saudi Arabia is the 13th largest country in the world and the second largest in the Arab world? 95% of the country is considered a desert or a semi-desert, and there's not one
2: single river in the entire place. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I mean, I'd love to go to that part of the world. I've never been before. So it's definitely on, on the bucket list. But um, And I knew it was, you know, there's a lot of desert out there, but it's always great to hear the facts and figures, Tim.
3: You're welcome. I, I've been there a few times, actually. I've been to Jeddah twice. No, Riyadh oh. twice and Jeddah
2: once or twice. Mm. Uh, for Bob- well, we're, I mean, racing is, that's happening more and more out there as, as the months and years go by. So the Formula E there, F1's going there this
3: year. Yeah, big up it, It's It's madness. It is indeed. Well, shall I bring in today's guest? Oh, I think so. So today's guest is Reema Jafali, a Saudi Arabian racing driver who only picked up the sport in 2018 when she raced in the TRD86 Cup in the UAE, becoming the first Saudi female to race competitively. She's gone on to race in British F4 and even the Jaguar I-Pace Trophy in her home country. She's featured in Forbes Middle East 30, Under 30, and in 2021 is with Douglas Motorsport for the British Formula 3 Championship. Rima, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you
1: guys.
2: It's such a pleasure to have you, Rima. Where are you joining us from at the moment? <laughs>
1: I'm in Cambridge, actually, at the moment, in oh. between my tests
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's 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 a few more rivers there than in uh, than in Saudi. I think.
1: Definitely, I mean, we don't need we don't need rivers in Saudi. We have the Red Sea, so Good I'm point. okay with
3: that. Good point. Well, yeah, you're fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you yeah, just around the corner. I was expecting to say you're in, you know a lovely villa in in Jeddah or something and you're literally down the road from me up the uh what is it the A40 uh, M40 or one of those. Um now listen you've you've come into motorsport pretty late. Um take us back to your childhood first. Where where was home? Uh, where did you grow up? What was life like for you? And when did motorsport come onto your radar? Okay, there's
1: a lot in there. I'll try and cover as much as I can. Um but I I grew up in Saudi in Jeddah. Um studied there uh, I mean graduated high school from there so uh, yeah basically Saudi through and through and um, and I knew that I was going to go abroad for university after um, you know after high school so that was an exciting time for me but uh, to go back to growing up in Saudi I think for me it was a really great place place to kind of um, explore um, you know I had a really big community of friends family and and and, um, I was very much like an active child who was always, you know, wanted to race someone else. I mean, just running, not, 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 not in, not in a car, um, not at the time. And, um, and just, yeah, yeah, I was very competitive, uh, and really liked to kind of explore and, and you know, new areas, um, get up to no good sometimes, um, find my ways around things uh, but yeah I was definitely not not too easy to handle when I was a kid but uh, at the end of the day I kind of stayed out of trouble I think my parents would attest to that I just barely barely was on the limit so that that was good um, but yeah I think what was cool about it was um, I was very much into sports from a very young age I was into um, what you would say, you know, that, well, you know, at the time for me was unconventional things like, you know, football, um, or uh, what they would say is maybe more, um, things that males would like, not necessarily a female. So a lot of the times I found that, you know, I had to find people to join me and, and, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, soccer or football or, um, playing sports and, and finding any outlet I can, um. Uh, to just let that out and explore that because at the time there wasn't much of it um and I found to, I managed you know with friends with family uh, whether it was a yard or uh school sports um I was a part of it all and in sports was very much a part of me from a very young age um and and how did racing come into play it was pretty much my passion for cars and and I didn't mention this but Within all of the sports and and you know playing football and um, I'm a Manchester United fan, so that's Ooh. another thing that, <laughs> End of that. that's a, that's another thing that is very big in Saudi football is a very big thing. So we all like supported our either you know Premier League teams and and stuff. So uh, I played as, lo- as well a lot of football when I was there and um, just basically being around sports and and racing for me was just. Not something I was exposed to at all. Actually, I, I watched a lot of other sports, but not racing. And car cars was very much like an interest of mine, but very much just like production cars. You know, I know the the old Mercedes, Ferrari, um, and and kind of I, I would say now Saudi is in terms of there's a very big population of of motorheads, but very but in the in the let's say production cars, um, not yeah. not as a sport. And it wasn't until I went to university and started, um, you know, having access just on TV, really it's quite basic that I started watching all of these different um, uh, sports from tennis to Le Mans to um, Formula One. And, and that's when, you know, the link of, cars and sports kind of collided. And, and, and that's when I found racing, if you
3: like. And, and university was in Boston, right? So, so you, you've flitted across to the States. What was that move like? Was that your first major move abroad? And did you go on your own? Did you go with any family? How did you adapt to, to the culture?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I think like most people, I was very excited to leave home. Um, I wanted to explore. I was kind of ready to, to go out and, and, you know, find my independence, if you like. Um, but I did have quite a few friends who were going there, friends who already studied there. So there was a community there for me. Um, family, uh, not really. There wasn't at the time. But uh, it was quite a busy city, Boston, for students. So you, you always knew people around, which was definitely helpful
2: so, while you're at uni and, and you get sort of exposed to sports and motor racing, can you remember that very first moment where you were watching maybe it was a race or was it Le Mans? And you thought, was there a particular moment where you thought, oh, okay, perhaps I, I could do this? I could be the one driving?
1: Yeah, it was, it was, I definitely remember. I don't, it might have been 2011, 2012, watching Le Mans and I was going through the, like the driver list of drivers and I was looking at their pictures, I was like, oh, wow, you know, these guys are older, you know, they're not, you know, I just assumed that everyone had to be young as an athlete, that, you know, uh, there, there, there was a prime to it, but it was just so refreshing to see that there was, you know, people who were older than me and competing at a high level, at, uh, and that's kind of when I thought, okay, there's still room for me to give this a go. You know, I didn't even, I didn't think that, oh, perf- anything about like, taking it at a professional level. It was more of, oh, I can, you know, go into racing and find a competition that I could join and still do it on on the weekends. You know, that that was the way I looked at it and the approach. But um uh, watching Le Mans, knowing that there were drivers who were competitive, um, who weren't at that age that I thought, you know, like let's say your twenties. Um, uh, it was it was an eye-opening thing. And, and that's kind of, you know, maybe let's say when the seed was planted. And
2: how, that, that is really encouraging because you look at the motorsport landscape today and, you know, they seem to be getting younger and younger by the bloody day. Yeah. It's madness. <laughs> yeah. But when, when when did that moment where you thought, okay, I want to take it to the next level come? And, and that professional mindset uh, come in?
1: I think uh, how I, I have to, you know, preface this by saying that I, you know, started racing with, you know, the 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 idea that I wanted to figure this out and understand this on a more personal level and, you know, maybe take it up on the weekends. It wasn't something that I thought I could make something of, you know, I didn't know, um, what to expect going into it. So I almost didn't set my bar too high going in. It was just like, learn, understand, uh, figure it out. And it was probably after my first race weekend, um, that I realized I'm like, Oh my God, you know, like this feeling coming out of the car, the adrenaline, the rush, the, uh, I'm in over my head. Oh my God. You know, like there's just so many thoughts running through my head and almost like pure happiness as well that I had never felt before. I was like, I have to do this again and I have to do this better. And, and that's almost how it, how it came about. And then Going into the, the, you know, a few months later, joining the British F4 and, you know, being it, you know, I would say like the home of motorsport, um, first race at Brands Hatch, you know, historic, uh, you know, I couldn't ask for anything more like, you know, attractive if you like, or, you know, bright lights kind of thing. And I just found myself laughing uh, before the, the first race because it started raining and I'm just like, this is what I need. I need some rain, you know, like on, on my debut um and that's to, when to really that's cap when, off
2: the full experience yeah, yeah yeah exactly exactly
1: you know the, you know, the UK doesn't disappoint in that in that And um but yeah that's that's when I uh, you know being in the British F4 and seeing the the competition and 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 the level of you know um how how much it takes you know to 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 be a professional racing driver to, get every ounce of your, you know, uh, ability out. That's, that's when I realized, you know, this is it. This is definitely where I need to be and and, and where I need to take it to the next level.
3: And there's, mm. there's obviously a growing number of, of females in motorsport now with the likes of, uh, the W series, um, you know, increasing female participation. Um, and it seems like a sport that's on the up and you met Susie Wolf in 2017 what was that meeting like? Was that an inspiring moment for you? Did that really help drive you on?
1: Definitely. Definitely. I think so at the time I had been thinking about, you know, racing and, and it was in the back of my mind. I was probably at the time deciding what career path I wanted to take. And I'd move back to Saudi and it was, it was almost like I had all of these options ahead of me and I, and I had to make some decisions um, and just, at the time having met her or being put in touch with her was very much a sign for me. I I took as, okay, this is, you've been saying racing and you've been thinking racing. This is the time, you know, this can't be, uh, this can't just be a coincidence. And and that's meeting her and spoke to her and she almost, you know, acted as um, that, that first step for me. Um, And, and, and she is, she is a mentor today for me and, and I think thanks to her, and I think the chance meeting for me was was what you know uh, gave me the confidence to take that step.
3: Yeah, it, it feels like Susie has is, is changed a lot of lives in that way. You know, a bit, a bit of a pioneer, much like yourself, who's who's touching people who are coming into the sport and and making a direct impact now. The racing scene in Saudi, let's talk a little bit about that. Since you started picking up the sport um, and you've made your way um, outside of the country, but made a name for yourself back home as well, are you starting to see more girls pick up the sport in Saudi? And and do you feel like you have a responsibility there now to help try and bring that talent through?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in terms of Saudi and motorsport, it's definitely a very uh, new and, and, and exciting time. I mean, Rallying has been, you know, in Saudi for a very long time, but you know, what I do with let say circuit racing or is is definitely a new thing and and it's exciting and sport in general, I would say what's going on, it's really exciting and the opportunities available for everyone. People are starting to think about, you know, different career paths and, and girls especially are have these opportunities, which is which is great. It wasn't something that I, like I said, could think of when I was growing up back then. Um, and I do, do definitely get quite a few requests from girls. You know, how can we go about doing this? Um, you know, what, what advice do you have for, for us? And I think at, at this point in time, you know, the infrastructure needs to come. You know, we need racetracks, we need yeah. car tracks, we need these things first. Um, and I definitely feel like I do have a role to play. And, and I, would, I would love to be, you know, there on the ground um, doing what I can. Uh, giving back and and encouraging young girls to find their passions uh, whether it be motorsport or or anything else. So is
2: there a, a general encouragement for, for racing and, of course, for women in racing in Saudi? Because obviously, we've seen over here in Europe and across in the Americas as well, there is a continuing growing movement that we need more females in motorsport. And that has to start from you know a grassroots level as well. And that's going to take time to build and build and build. But obviously, do you feel like there's a bit more pressure on you? Have you faced any backlash because you're not only a woman in motorsport and trying and racing successfully, but you're coming from a part of the world where, you know, women were, couldn't drive until 2018. So has there been any backlash with you going on to pursue what, what your dreams, I suppose, or has there been a general change and an encouragement towards this kind of thing?
1: I mean, I think that the short answer is there's definitely a change and an excitement that is is on the ground that everyone can feel. And I think you all can feel as well. Um, you know, it's just that the demand is there, and and people just want to, you know, take everything on and experience everything. I think the the one thing that my age plays, you know, a good part in this um, is that I've come into this, you know, kind of eyes open, um, you know, with some experience of, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to call it life experience, but you know, just I I, I understand a few things, so I, I I can come in with my eyes open, and it didn't feel You know that the pressure that I uh, that I could have felt. Let's say if I did it when I was a much younger age at a more vulnerable time in my life. Um, So so I think that if in that in that way age definitely played a good part in keeping me grounded um, and keeping my eyes up. Uh, But encouragement wise, I was uh, surprised by all of the support and and encouragement and um, messages that I received from everyone. And not just from Saudi, it was, you know, anyone who, who felt the same way or felt like, you know, things were impossible to them. Um, and, and 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 I have to be honest and say that, yes, there was some sort of, oh, my God, this is bigger than me. You know, like I went yeah. in just pure, purely out of love and passion. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to see where this is going to go. And I found that there's so much more out there that I can do and I want to do. And uh, with that, I wouldn't say it was pressure. It's more of a responsibility that I now need to think about and I now need to incorporate. Um, and, and I wanna share as well so yeah. that I can um, you know, speak and, um, and connect with people because it wasn't something that I initially thought would come with, with starting you know, a career in motor racing. But it has and I'm very grateful
2: for that. A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor F1 Experiences. F1 Experiences offer a wide range of packages that come direct from Formula 1, giving you a unique experience of the pinnacle of motorsport. Official ticket packages come with the very best race tickets, first class hotels and transfers and unprecedented access including driver appearances, private pit lane walks, behind the scenes tours of the illustrious F1 paddock team garages the famous podium and loads more it's the closest you can get to formula one and thanks to f1 experiences Motormouth listeners can save five percent on your next f1 experiences package by using the code motor mouth when booking online at f1 experiences.com
3: i think it's it's fascinating um you know this whole subject and yeah. you know th- there's bound to be people um who perhaps make the mistake of listening to the UK media, for example, when they hear your story and are like, well, how, how did you do that? How did you get out of Saudi? You know, and this, this really grinds my gears because you know, what you have now is a platform to be able to um, educate people, not only about females in motorsport, but um, females in motorsport from Saudi Arabia. And what really gets me, having spent time in Jeddah and Riyadh and, and several weeks and over um, uh, probably four or five years, is the change that I've seen in that short time in Saudi. and having spent time in Riyadh, which is perceived as you know the, the um, conservative um, capital, which it is of, of Saudi Arabia, but even there, it's so chilled. It's a young population full of amazing people who are, I've never had hospitality like I've had in Saudi Arabia. Um, And the people welcomed us there with open arms, all these different events that we were doing from boxing and WWE and whatever. And they've got such an appetite um, for sport over there and are desperate for more and more content. And they're all on Snapchat, you know, taking our numbers, getting photos with us and welcoming us. And they sounded so frustrated about the external perception of Saudi Arabia. And the people of Saudi are not the government of Saudi. And and there there is a difference there. And do you feel that when you talk to people in, in the UK or across Europe? Do you, do you sense that? And do you feel like outside of your racing obligation, you have a sense of uh, being an ambassador for your country?
1: Yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely think so. I, I do want to say that I have that same feeling, you know, going... I mean, I've been away from Saudi now for three years or so um, with, with my racing. I'm in and out of Saudi and not there all the time. And every time I go back, I'm like, wow, okay, this is another new thing. Oh, we can do this. Oh, this is available. Um, you know, like with with cinemas, with yeah. things that people here, you know, don't you don't uh, pre- uh, not not necessarily appreciate, but you don't think that. Oh, you know, how would life be without a cinema? But yeah. you take it for granted. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and for us, you know, having that outlet and having cinema was like you know it is exciting and 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 i think it's just there's so much more to come for saudi and, and that's in a very exciting part um and i'm excited to see uh, you know what the future holds there uh but uh sorry i forgot i forgot the question i got i got excited
3: <laughs> that's all right No, i just i'm just curious <laughs> about you know how you um position yourself now you have this platform you know you you're, you have a growing platform and an opportunity um you know much like you know Lewis Hamilton does with Black Lives Matter. He's he's like, I've got this platform. I'm going to shout about a cause I believe in. And I feel quite passionately about this, having spent so much time in Saudi that the country gets such a bad rap. And and mm-hmm. it, it must be, you know, it, it feels important for people like you who have this great platform to be able to shout about your country in a positive way, not for all the Western nonsense that comes out of this country so often. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. And, and that's quite an important point. And I think you know, having been to the UK from quite a young age, I've, um, let's say, battled with this, uh, with, you know, the fact that coming from Saudi, being from Saudi doesn't necessarily come with the best reputation at the time when I was growing up. So it was almost like um, I was, you know, I really had to, whenever I did meet someone, I really wanted to make sure that I was setting a good example and I was um, making a good impression. And, And I do get, I remember like when I was probably 18 or younger, you know, that thing like, oh, we've never met a Saudi that speaks, you know, good English like you. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm glad to be that person. So um, it was always there in the, in the back of my mind. I think that I did want to do that and I, and I do want to do that now. And and I think, you know, the more people are exposed to Saudis and Arabs, um, you know, doing different things and, and also for Arabs to see other Arabs. You know, uh, making a name for themselves abroad, uh, uh, doing, having, any, being an example as well. You know, having people that they can relate to—that's—that's uh, that's all very important.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you, and you are—you—you you are a trailblazer. You're—you're—you're you're, you're changing the perception of it. Um, so it must have been a bit nerve-wracking when you jumped across to the UK for the first time, uh, and you've been here for a few years now. When you took part in Formula Four, that must have been quite a, a, a big scary jump you know did you did you move here or were you back and forth at the time and you know did you have any family support because we've we talked to a lot of racing drivers you know who move huge distances to come to race to Europe and they leave their entire family behind and, it, and it's a sacrifice but and, and you've got to be committed haven't you yeah
1: yeah definitely it was it's definitely a sacrifice you know deciding to take on such a um, you know foreign thing for many people around me you know uh, know nothing about motorsport or you know even an athlete's life um so it, it was it was great to have their support i have to say you know that my family and my friends were a big played a very big part in, in, in and continue to play a big part but yeah i think leaving leaving home and coming here initially i was i was actually you know coming in and out a lot in in um, my first year and then decided that actually it was better that once the season started that I do base myself from here um, just in terms of, you know, focus and and priorities. And it just made things easier rather than, you know, kind of jumping around too much, which ends up happening anyway. Um, But uh, I plan for it not to happen. So, uh, so you're but, so
3: you're living in. Are you living in Cambridge now? Is that your your home?
1: Oh no, no, I'm I'm basically in between tests now, so I'm just like uh, I was just at Snatcherton, and now I'm going to another truck. So I just happen to be in Cambridge, so but in I'm living in London. Yeah, I'm doing the back and forth <laughs> thing. That, that I'm on the road. I'm yeah. on the road. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I'm I'm living in London at the moment. Ah, nice.
2: What What were those first um, first sort of Learnings from from your experience over here, racing it in Formula Four, was it? You know, were you completely blindsided? What did you feel prepared? Did you take a lot from it to, to to move on to the next chapter?
1: It's, I mean, without it sounding so cliche, but it definitely changed um, my life and and right. just my outlook on everything because of, I mean, starting something like this that at a high level um, without much experience, you know, coming in with like three, three months of experience. And most of the guys that I was racing against, like, you know, you would imagine have, you know, 10, 10 years or more experience, mm. but they're only like 16 <laughs> or 17 and, you know, hot blooded and they want to get ahead of you. So, um, I mean, I, I did definitely had a really good team going in because they, they gave me the right things to think about and to focus on. So on my first race, they said you know, the most important thing is to get to the finish, you know, don't make mistakes, don't spin, don't, you know, whatever, whatever is just gets to the finish. And, and that was my goal. My goal was to get to the finish. And um, I ended up like surpassing my goal and, you know, being in the top 10 on my first weekend, which was, Brilliant. Um, which was very exciting. And it was just at the time, thanks to, to many, many younger guys making mistakes and getting too excited. And I just kind of kept my head, and, um, drove past their mistakes. So, uh, things like that. And, and a lot of things that I, I've picked up with racing, I could translate now into like my daily life, whether it's, um, you know, when you're racing, you kind of, when you do get, let's say riled up or you're angry and, and you get in a car and you're trying to kind of perform at that level, you can't because there's just too much, um, let's say stress or, uh lack of attention because you're caught up on on something that upsets you or someone who maybe pushed you off and it had happened uh on one of the races I recall that um I thought that I was you know wronged and and one of the drivers kind of like pushed me out of track I still and I lost the position but I was still there and I was I was definitely quicker than him and I just kept trying to you know catch him up but I couldn't because I was driving so aggressively in my head I was and then I realized, like, there's no room for that. You know, I, anytime that happens, it's a reset, focus. And if anything, I need to collect myself and, and be calm. And and that's something that now, you know, I can, I catch myself doing that whenever I'm in a position of, you know, something frustrating me or yeah. upsetting me that, that um, it's almost like I have to slow down a little bit. It's it's very yeah. odd that, Take you know, you're breath. in a race it's, car, you want to go fast, it's but that, uh, you it's have that,
3: to. It's that Jedi yeah. moment. It's like, right. I gotta just pause, breathe, bring out the Jedi. It's funny, actually. Yeah. I, I think it's it. It could even be an advantage that females have in motorsport, right? Because now, now, hear me out on this one. And Harry, you remember when we interviewed Charlie Martin? I already know where you're going. So, yeah. so Charlie Martin, <laughs> um for those that don't know, is uh, also a pioneer from in, in, in a different way. She is a uh, transgender racing driver who's now racing with um, at Praga. uh Well, in a Praga car, really, really cool. She's doing fantastically. Got. Podiums, two podiums in her first two races, I think. Um, but she said when she went through the the transition, um, she um, had all her testosterone effectively taken out of her, um, i.e., all her hot headedness and aggression. And it said it's made her a better driver. Being female because she's calmer, she has peace of mind, she can take those moments just to relax and hold back and and make an educated and informed decision rather than charging in and you know taking someone out. So it's, it's a it's an interesting thing around the uh, the male female psyche, particularly with sixteen year old guys like you say who are full of new testosterone and just flinging themselves around a track. So it's an interesting uh, interesting thing to think about. Now let's bring it up to speed. So twenty twenty one. You have moved up from Formula 4 into British Formula 3, which is notoriously challenging and competitive. Um, how are you feeling <laughs> going into it? Um, it? What are your expectations? This is going to be a great year for you, isn't it? You're piling on the pressure I, there, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> I had to turn the screw a little
1: bit. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, to be honest. Like I'm really enjoying the car. The, the, you know, It does feel like a race car. It, it, the downforce is something I'm having to get used to and trust, but it's just, uh, I mean, I think being in, in, in the right car with the right team really gives me the confidence to kind of take the right steps and, and, and have that in mind for the, for the whole season. And and yeah, it's just really exciting to have that change after being in F4 for two years. Yes. I'm familiar with, with the British tracks, but um, to have that kind of refreshing experience, uh, uh, yeah a refreshing car refreshing team it's 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 exciting i'm very excited
2: have you uh, set yourself any expectations or are you just gonna see how the first race goes
1: Def- definitely there's some there's some expectations like you know being i'd like to be you know competitive and in in, in, the, in the top 10 and um I, I would love i mean the podium is always in sights and it's always a goal that i'd love i'd love to have or i would love to be on um but yeah top 10 i think uh, consistently, and um, you know, just as long as I'm improving, that's how I look at it. Is is, and, you know, I'm taking steps and and making some improvements, and mm-hmm. and maybe um, you know, making sure to have some cars behind me. Uh, that's that's the win for me. In
2: a in a dream scenario, what what is the ultimate goal? How far do you want to take this? Where do you want to go with it?
1: To be honest, like ever ever since I watched F one and and and. Le Mans, for me, what spoke to me was, you know, Le Mans and the, and the endurance racing aspect of it. You know, for Formula One is, is a far-reaching goal. And, you know, maybe if I started a lot earlier in, in my younger, that could have been a realistic goal. But um, uh, Le Mans and winning the, the Le Mans would, would be amazing. Uh, definitely a goal of mine.
3: Fantastic. And do you have any racing idols? Is there anyone that you've looked up to over the years that, that really inspires you?
1: when I started like following racing, I think at the time, uh, you know, Vettel was like making a name for himself. Lewis has to be mentioned without a doubt. Um, uh, definitely up there. Uh, and and I've actually like w- enjoyed watching quite a few historic races of like um Ayrton Senna, um, uh Mansell. Um, yeah, I found uh, I found I found all of these archives that I've been really like enjoying and, and yeah, I think there's a there's a lot there that um, we have to look up to today because it was just a whole other sport back then. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of idols, but uh, there's just those are just a few.
2: And, and what you've done up till now is, is pretty remarkable, you know, breaking down barriers quite literally. What advice would you give to to any young girls who want who want to follow in your footsteps and are perhaps are that are at that age now where Formula One could be a realistic opportunity?
1: I, the best advice I'd say is you know you need to put, try things, put yourself in in these situations. Meet like if it's to go to um wherever I mean whether you're in in Europe or in the Middle East, like go to your local track, um you know join a karting race. Uh, I I think exposure is is very important, um and and as well like forming your connection and your network and and just having a better understanding gives you the confidence to make those steps. You know, if it's all oh, if it's a dream and you just continues to be a dream, it's not achievable because it's it still feels far away. But even small steps will will, will get you closer to the dream. So I think um, taking those steps and, and trying different things is is uh, is my advice.
3: That's that's great advice. Good and yeah. inspiring stuff. And there's our snippet for the podcast sorted. Um <laughs> let's talk um, talents. You're you're a good racing driver. We know that you're quick um what do you what else are you good at have you got any hidden talents you know coming from Saudi I don't imagine skiing is top of your list like uh, my illustrious <laughs> friend Harry here but what, what what else are you good at
2: what else
1: am I good at I'm I'm a very um organized person um I don't know if that's a talent but I I well,
2: can how, how organized are we talking is it sort of uh you, you, you turn up on time or is it OCD levels <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I had to get myself out of OCD. So like oh. it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was when I was in college and living in my own flat, and it was too organized that it was uncomfortable. So I had to like make it a bit, a bit like had to leave things around the flat to just get used to it being a little bit, yeah. you know, had to leave more homey. The, you're sort of walking but, yeah. around just
3: dropping stuff, going, "I can do this, I can do this." That, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that. washing and <laughs> staying on the floor.
1: Exactly. No, now I'm okay. I can tell you, I have a few things around me uh it's not an ocd thing i've 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 grown out of it but i think i don't know if that's a hidden talent but i've been told that i make very good cookies so oh, nice. i take that as a hidden talent and and one that i very much appreciate because i also enjoy cookies myself we
3: welcome <laughs> gifts so you know if you want to if you want to stick something in the post absolutely fine we can, we'll we send you a cap in return one of our lovely
2: yeah. <laughs> about that
1: maybe maybe i'll do that you
2: That's a win-win situation. Go on, let's flip that on its head then, though. What are you awful at? Just terrible.
1: Oh, what am I awful at? Um, I'd probably say, like, art-related things. Um, You know, I may be good at tracing, but I I don't think I'm very... I I don't think I'm very creative in that You can't say you're good
3: at tracing. Surely everyone's good at tracing. (laughs) My
1: OCD helps you know, with, with
2: the yeah. tracing, but yeah, no, no. <laughs> I think that's a common trait actually among among racing drivers. The yeah. the artistic side isn't always at the forefront of uh, of yeah. their skill set. Uh, but Rima, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. We have three final questions that we ask to all of our guests. They're all the same every single time that, unless Tim wants to go off track and adds, adds yeah. in an occasional... Uh, uh, a spanner in the works but let's kick off with um, the first one what's got you excited at this very moment
1: um, probably my racing season uh, as it's coming up it's now you know within a month so I'm I'm pretty excited about that um, but as of right this second it was probably that it was sunny outside yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, for a fleeting moment <laughs> um, question number two um, if not doing what you're doing what would you be doing
1: hmm I mean, where I was before racing, I was kind of, you know, in the world of finance, uh, you know, in in, in that development world, I think probably would have kind of continued in that journey and and mm. uh probably worked in the Middle East for a while. Um, yeah. Mm.
2: Final question for you. What are you scared of?
1: Oh, okay. This is actually quite interesting because I I didn't think I was scared of anything or or much um to to be precise but recently I was thinking um so whenever I get injured now where I have you know whatever 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 happens to me outside of the car or maybe even inside of the car my first thought is oh my god like am I going to be okay to race or am I going to be okay to get in the car so probably I'm I mean probably that's going to be something I'm scared of I'm scared of getting injured not to be able to Keep going, or or just you know, um, yeah, keep doing what I enjoy doing.
3: Not spiders or something like that. Do you? You must get some, no. some weird, creepy, like massive desert spiders <laughs> or something in Saudi, don't you? There's there's got to be something horrible in the desert, look.
1: There, there is, but I'm actually quite okay with insects Ooh. and and all of oh, that. God. Snakes yeah. and yeah, they don't scare me too much. I had a, yeah.
2: I saw a, I saw a mini spider this morning right above my bed and I had a mini heart attack it was literally about the size of a fingernail but I still had a mini heart attack I can't do it I just can't anything that moves quickly is a danger as far as I'm concerned (laughs) and can disappear like that not having it you're weird
1: you're weird fair enough Rima it's been
2: been a
3: pleasure having you on the show I have to say these are one of my favourite types of um, shows because Like I said earlier, you've you've built yourself a platform. You've got an amazing opportunity now to make your mark in racing and who knows how far you'll go, but also have a voice and be an ambassador for Saudi Arabia and the Middle East and a part of the world that I'm hugely fond of. So... Um, I wish you all the best for your British F3 season this year. We'll be keeping a close eye on your progress. Um, continue the great work. Continue pushing the positive messages and the inspiring messages. It's really, really good to have you on. I'm sure people are going to love listening. So, Rima Jufardi, thank you so much for joining us on the Motor Mouth Podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Tim. Harry, it was a pleasure.
2: Before you go, one final reminder to check out F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One, F1 Experiences is is the closest you can get to the sports. Official ticket packages, which include the best race tickets, first class hotels, travel and exclusive behind the scenes access across the Grand Prix weekend. F1 Experiences offer packages like no other. So to book your F1 Experiences package today, head online to f1experiences.com and if you enter code MOTORMOUTH, you'll get 5% off too. Thank you so much for listening to the MOTORMOUTH podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at MOTORMOUTH underscore, Instagram at MOTORMOUTH, underscore official and facebook just search motormouth you can also download the motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from mmtv create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy we're also proud to be supporting the brain tumor charity too so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast